Amen. Are you ready to just surrender your life? All that you are. Amen to Him. Amen. We're going to go to prayer right now. As we go to prayer, I want you to hold dear request that is in your heart. And you just mention it before the Lord. He can hear even the, the weakest heart cry. Just a whisper to Him. I hold in my hand tonight a, a handkerchief of a family that's in need. As we go to prayer, we're going to pray that God will move. He'll move for your behalf. He's still God. He wants to reveal Himself to you in a mighty way. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come before your throne. It is a throne of grace where that we can find mercy and help in our time of need. Grace, favor. Lord, we thank you, O God, for that favor. We thank you your promises are yes and amen. We thank you, Lord, you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. You'll be with us even to the end of the world. Lord, no matter what situation that it is, you're Lord over every situation. You know the needs of your children here tonight. You know every battle that every one of them are in. May you reveal yourself as the mighty conqueror. May you come riding in this tent. Lord, riding through our midst on the power of your word. With that sharp sword that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let it slay every enemy as the word goes forth. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know about the need that I I hold in my hand tonight. And the Lord, we hold dear to our heart in this moment. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. You break every fetter. You break sin's chains. Lord, that you come riding through the mighty conqueror. Showing yourself the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, on the behalf of your children. And bring healing and deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are many others that have been praying in this moment, in this time. Lord, they've got situations. Lord, you know about even the emails that I've received of ones crying out for you. Oh, God, may they know you tonight as the healer of every disease, of the creator that can recreate cells, restore limbs, open up the eyes of the blind. Oh, may you make the the hearing to come back. You're still God, and we're your children tonight. And, oh, God, we call you on the scene tonight for you on the behalf of your children. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And as we step into the Word tonight, may we speak as an oracle of God. Lord, may every word be weighted. Lord, going right down to its right mark. Lord, speaking to hearts and lives and removing unbelief and bringing them into relationship with you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, you know the desires of our heart. Now we surrender ourselves to you. And I'm just a man. That's all I can do. And I'm going to read your scripture tonight. But I'm looking for your anointing to come and anoint these lips. 
I can't preach without you. I must have you. And I'm looking to you now. As I just move into that anointing. May your Holy Spirit begin to flow through this vessel to this people. In Jesus' name. For the glory of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. We're going to turn to Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read from the 13th verse. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. And uh, I want to look here in the word of God. To the exceeding great and precious promises. Amen. Amen. Certainly appreciated the um, introduction a moment ago. And we just... uh, Brother Tom, I I think we're more than friends, we're buddies. (laughs) Amen. It's great to have great, great friends and buddies. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. And then I would like to turn to a scripture. And uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. And it will be from this portion of scripture. That nearly 50 years ago that I preached for from for my first time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now these things happened unto them for an example's. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And I believe we are here. And I believe there are things that are written right here in the Bible, in the scripture. Amen. For, for our admonition. Amen. For our learning. So that we can take courage and we can take instruction upon whom the ends of the world are come. God bless you. You can be seated. I'd like to read a little quotation from the prophet of God from the message, the token. And he said, now we're living in the shadows and the wrath is ready to strike. And God is requiring a token that you yourself have received this token, the Holy Ghost. It is the only way and the only sign that God will ever pass because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ Return back to the believer. Amen. Now, as we're looking at this tonight, we're going to be speaking to you tonight on the message of the Exodus. Because I believe that right now we are here in a very great time of an Exodus. And we, we are here, it is the third Exodus. In the first Exodus, Moses would call Israel out of Egypt. In the second exodus, Jesus called the church from Judaism and its law to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But now after we have been dispersed through the seven ages, we are now being called back to our homeland from the confusion of the ages back into the Holy Ghost so that we can receive our Messiah and go in the rapture. And this is the third exodus, and we're now in it. But it's not over. This rapture is not over until we leave this dimension, clothed in a new body. 
Now in Moses' day, the message of the Exodus entailed more than God sent a prophet. With signs and gifts and, and uh, witnessing him raining plagues down upon Pharaoh. But it contained specific instructions for Israel for their deliverance. For the Exodus, it would require uh, that the token or the atonement of the Lamb and the applying of its blood. For without blood, the destroyer would not pass over your house. And, uh, and of course, we're living in a very dark and an evil age. And let's just get the, this scene straight just for a moment. Because I believe we're in the night before the exodus. The morning is about to dawn. Amen. And, and the trumpet is about to sound for us to take our exodus out of here into glory. Amen. But, uh, but for now, we, you know, the, the, the complete day has not dawned, even though that, you know, it's, um, it, we are living in the morning time of the, of the last day as we're about to come into where the very radiance of the sun, the sun, Jesus Christ comes back again. And we're looking for that. But in the moment, you know, all the darkness of the age is congealing itself and gathering itself against this hour and this time. And it's a time where the death angel is now going through the land. And we can see it. We, we see it in homes. We see it in churches. We see it in our schools, in our politics, in our nation. Everywhere that we look, even if you're not in our nation, you're listening somewhere else around the world, you're still in the same throes of the same problems as the death angel is coming into this society that we are living in. And we see it rising on every hand. And so, you know, but but um, in like manner of that exodus there, the exodus that they requires the atonement of the lamb and the applying of its blood. Without the blood, you are tribulation bound. And you will remain here down here in Egypt. There will be no rapture. There will be no exodus for you. But before leaving Egypt, God spoke to his prophet and he gave his people a message for the exodus. And this message would contain a warning concerning the approaching death and the instructions that must be followed carefully that would enable them to escape the death and to exodus out of Egypt. And the last plague was death. And it was about to fall. And I'll tell you, if we just stop for here for a moment, we remember um, even Brother Branham's teaching, the bride goes up in the fourth seal. And, and just before the, the death rides, but it's already riding in its other phases of the white, the red, the black horse rider is just about to break loose. And it's already been identified by the eagle as to what's coming. It's death. And death is riding. And we can already see the effects that are upon our world right now today as the death angel is coming. 
and his coming and is permeating our society, our thinking, our actions, and right down into our homes, into our individual lives. That we are, we're facing a, a very, very hard and difficult time where the enemy has come in like a flood. Where even millions of supernatural demons have been unleashed to come into this age, into this time, with an anointing to anoint men and women with a spirit of insanity. And we see that insanity coming in our world. We see it in the young. We see it in the old. We see it in the middle age. We see it in business. We see it in politics. We see it in school. We see it in people's thinking. Amen. As it's coming in like a fog, like a, like a black shadow coming in and it's coming in bringing death. And the last plague was death and it's about to fall and to escape it. There must be a substitute, a lamb to die in your place. Amen. The judgment in that day was upon everybody. I mean, it was upon the Egyptians and the Israelis alike. The firstborn of all was under the sentence of death. Didn't matter whether you were Jew or Gentile. It didn't matter whether you were Pharaoh or whether you were, or you was the lowest family in Israel. The, 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 the death angel was coming and there was a sentence of death upon all. And I just want to say there's a sentence of death upon everybody. Are you with me now? Amen. The firstborn of all was to die under the sentence of death. And I'll tell you right now, judgment will fall either upon you or your lamb. Because as God provided a lamb for the judgment to fall upon, amen, so that Israel would not suffer of that death, God provided a death in every home. Amen. There had to be a substitute, something to die. Because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all deserve to die. But I want you to know that God has provided a way of escape for every one of us. And that is he would take the penalty of your sin upon his own self and die in your place so that you would not be destroyed by the death angel but could go out of here in an exodus. The judgment is upon all, upon every home, upon every man, on every woman. The judgment is on all. Even the firstborn of Israel would perish unless the Israelites obeyed the message of the Exodus. But for Israel, the way to escape that death was for a lamb to die in their place. Now, there would be, um, there would be instructions that would be given by the prophet in that day as to how to take the Exodus. And, and he would say to take a lamb, and the lamb would have to be without blemish. So there would be the selecting of the lamb. <coughs> and he would tell them to take the lamb and keep him up from the 10th day to the 14th. 
and examine that lamb for blemishes. And so, again, I I want you just to stop and think of it for a moment. It was never to examine the Israelites to see if they were without blemish. It was to look upon the lamb and see that their lamb was without blemish. Because every Israelite deserved to die just like the Egyptians. But there had to be something without blemish to die in their place. And I want you to understand God is not looking at you and your blemishes and your faults and your failures. God is is examining the lamb to see if your lamb is worthy. And if your lamb is accepted, so are you accepted. What a wonderful Savior. Amen. Now there would be the days of examinations. Then kill the lamb. Then take his blood in the basin. Gather hyssop and dip hyssop in blood. And then apply it to the house. And strike the blood in three places. The two side posts and the lentil. Now our exodus is is represented here by the symbols here. We are the antitype. You see, a type is when it's prophesying. It's speaking of something greater to come. The antitype is when it's fulfilled. And we are the fulfillment of the type. In fact, the matter is, I would like to even say, we're not typing another generation. You know, Abraham would type and Moses would type and they would portray something greater to come. The woolly lamb would would portray and type a greater lamb to come. But we have reached the point we are not typing another generation. That's right. Amen. Amen. We are not typing another generation. There's not another generation to follow. We're here in the last days. These are the last time, little children. And instead of typing another generation, we are the embodiment and the fulfillment of every type throughout the scripture. Amen. To think about it, all the Bible was prophesying of your coming, of your day, of your hour. And you can't read a scripture in the Bible without it prophesying of you. Hallelujah. Amen. This is why Jesus said, search the scriptures. They are they that testify of you. Testify of me. Amen. Now, so, so again, that's, that is our responsibility. Search the scripture. Now, our exodus is represented by these symbols here. As I said, we are the antitype. The first exodus is a type or the symbol of God's end time plan of redemption. And like Israel, a perfect lamb must die and be accepted in our place. Israel was to take the elements of the lamb's blood and they were to strike the lentil. And they were to to strike the two side posts. And and so they would would do this uh, as the entryway of their house must be covered with blood. Are you with me? And the blood was to be a token or a sign that the lamb had died and was accepted in their place. 
And lamb's blood on the door represented the lamb's life. And it was a sign or a token that their lamb had died. And a lamb had been accepted on their behalf. Now, Brother Branham would refer to the actual fluid of the blood as the chemistry of the blood, referring to the physical properties of the blood. And he said, this is all they could do was to take a a woolly lamb and examine him, find one without blemish, keep him up, find no blemish, kill him, and take his blood, put it in a basin, put it there, dip it with, get some, some hyssop. And then, uh, and dip it in there and then strike the door. Amen. Strike it in three places. Strike it in the entrance. Are you with me? Amen. And all they could do was do the physical, physical properties of the blood. Put the body fluid that represented the life of the blood. The animal's blood was shed, was used as a paint to, as a sign on the door. But the animal life and the innocence and the undefiled nature of that unblemished lamb could not come upon the people. Are you with me? But this blood was more like just a paint. And it didn't change the nature of the worshiper. The lamb was only a substitute that was killed in their stead. They had sinned and was worthy of death. And the, the lamb was accepted in their place. You see, animal life has no soul. So the life of the lamb could not come upon the worshiper. So he remained unchanged. Except that the lamb was accepted in his stead. Therefore, the blood stood for a token or a sign that the lamb's life had been taken in the worshiper's stead. But Brother Branham tells us in the token message, but in this glorious place... Under this covenant, there is a difference between the blood and the life. The token for the believer today is the Holy Ghost. Not a blood, a chemistry. Speaking of the physical property of the blood of a woolly lamb. But it is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the token that God requires of the church today. God must see this token He must see it in every one of us. Amen. Amen. Now, don't allow this usage of the word choking to be somewhat rather ambiguous. This was not meant to be vague. A token, the token is a sign. Amen. It is the evidence to show that the lamb has died and received in the worshiper's place. And we don't have the chemistry of the blood, the physical elements from the body of Jesus, but we do have the Lamb of God's life, the Holy Ghost. And to receive it is a sign that our sin debt has been paid. And this life of the slain Lamb has been accepted on our behalf. Amen. That's the sign that we must have. It is the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is the only thing that will make the death angel to pass over. Is the little life of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Nothing else will work. You can say all you want and make the claim, I've accepted the Lamb. But unless the sign of His life is seen upon your life, then the death angel has a right to take you. (coughs) 
me just say, let me just tell you. Recently over Easter, we dealt with ten major demonic demonstrations. We saw the blood of Jesus triumph over every one of them. But I saw the evidence of Satan possessing lives of people. It would contort their faces. It would control their actions. It would speak through their bodies. It would even use their voice. Now, friends, we're not dealing with with, with just an idea. Uh, it's it's real. The devil is real. Amen. But let me just tell you, I I was a young boy in Brother Brandon's meeting. That's what I saw the Holy Spirit do through a prophet of God. I would I would watch as it came down, and the, and the Holy Spirit would begin to use His voice. The angel of God there would be a change on His face. His eyes would be looking in another dimension. His voice used by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, that's exactly what happened. God would take a man over and his voice would become God's voice. God would use his voice to speak his word. Are you with me now? Amen. But Satan can do the same thing. He'll take over a man and he can speak to that man. Speak to that woman. Contort their faces. And use their bodies. Amen. Now then you want to make care, be careful what you're giving yourself over to. Because you're going to be possessed by one or the other. Are you with me now? Amen. But now, let me tell you, the Holy Ghost. We have the elements of Christ's blood. The life of his blood. The Holy Ghost. And it must be applied, remember, in the Old Testament. It had to be applied to the two side posts and to the lentil. Now we're just going to use that as an example. And this is only what it is. I'm not trying to make a doctrine here. But just using it as an example that the Holy Ghost must be applied to, to, to the very entrances of our lives. To the body, to our spirit, and to our soul. So apply the blood in three places. Are you with me? To the two side doorpost and to the doorpost and to the lintel. And, and apply. Notice on every entrance into the house, the blood must be applied. Amen. It don't work now just to take it and put it on warden doorpost. It don't work just to have it on two doorposts. It must be the body, the spirit, and the soul. Say, I've got it in my soul, and it ain't manifested through your body, and your actions, and your dress, and the way you behave. It ain't there, folks. Amen. It's got to be applied to body, to the spirit, and to the soul. The Holy Ghost is a token or a sign. Every time I say token, you think sign. You see, it's a sign on our bodies. It shows by our dress. Yeah, man and woman. Yeah, it shows on our faces. Amen. It shows on our head, man and woman, by their hair, 
It'll show in our speech. Amen. Now, as the anatype, we went down through, we went through these processes because the lamb was actually slain at Calvary. And here we, uh, we have been here as Brother Branham would even type the churches and he said, it's a time of darkness. And he says, because we have lampstands and stars and all of that that is coming out in the night. And he said, the reason for it is because Christ has departed from the earth. And he says, in his absence, we, we are here to herald the light of his promised return. Amen. Amen. So you see, we, but, but here we're, we're here in the very night of the Exodus where 2,000 years ago the Lamb was slain. Now we know he was slain before the foundation of the world, but that was in the mind of God. This is in time. Amen. So he was slain for us, one Lamb for all the seven watches of the night. Now remember, the Jewish night was in three different watches. But, uh, but for us, the watches are seven different church ages. And we are here in the seventh watch. And in the seventh watch, Brother Branham tells us the rapture takes place. The living are changed. The dead in Christ rise. Amen. A message for the exodus comes in the seventh watch. Amen. And it's in the seventh watch that he comes again. Hallelujah. And we know that because if we'd have known what watch that he would come, you know, we would have been ready for him. But now we know what watch he's coming in. He didn't come in Paul's age. He didn't come in Irenaeus. He didn't come in Martin. They looked for him. They had watchmen on the wall saying, he's coming, he's coming. If this will happen, look, here's the enemy. Watch out for the enemy there. Every age had a watchman. But in this age, God sent the last watchman, an eagle messenger, with a sharp eye. And he says, I already see the death angel coming. He's on the horizon. But I'm telling you, God has provided a token. God has provided an exodus. You're not going to die in this death angel. You are going to rise and go back to your homeland. You're going to go back into eternity. You're going to go back from mortal to immortality. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Now, in the preparation of this Passover, we've had justification by Luther. And the Lamb was determined worthy, having been judged without blemish. We've had sanctification by Wesley. Take the blood in the basin. We, we have had the last age in the Azusa Street revival gathered the hyssop. Now remember, hyssop represents faith. And it's, a, and God used it to represent faith because He said faith is, 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 is hyssop is like a weed. It'll grow up in the cracks. It's there along the, the side, everywhere, everywhere you look, there's faith that you can reach and grab a hold of. Amen. So you see, faith, the, the blood must be applied by faith. 
and the Azusa movement with its healings and its miracles that gathered the hyssop of faith and dipped it in blood for signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Amen. But let me tell you, you know, we, we saw it even work in Brother Brandon's ministry, just a gift of faith. He said it isn't, it isn't the gift that heals you. Amen. He said it's faith. And it's only just causing your faith to rise, to know that God is present, that He wants to do it. I want to tell you, God wants to heal you. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God wants to restore you. God wants to provide for you everything you need for this exodus. Amen. And faith is common. Just grab it up everywhere, anywhere. You can hear it from a slogan. You can read it in a book. You can read it in the Bible. Everywhere that you look, something will be there to quicken your mind back to the Word of God. Faith is common. And every one of you have a measure of it. You say, I tell you, Brother Tim, I need greater faith. You don't need greater faith. You need to use what you got. The promise is mine. The Holy Ghost is mine. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I belong to the king. I am not going to be left here for the tribulation. I am going in a rapture. My name ain't legion. My name is rapture. Hallelujah. I have been caught up. I have been seized. I have been caught away. That's who I am. That's my identity. I don't need the world to tap me up for an identity. I've got a seal of God for identity. Now, so the message today, though, is not Luther's message. And it's not gathering the blood into a basin for sanctification. And it's not just grabbing your hyssop. Are you with me now? It's more than that. That the same blood that opened the eyes of the blind and made the deaf to hear and the cripples to walk and the cancers to leave and the demons to be bound is the same blood that's being applied for you for an exodus. Be sure the token is showing. And the token is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body and made partakers of His glory. Now, the covenant containing all the promises and the blessings, though are without effect, without the blood, without the Holy Ghost. We have the covenant. Are you with me? And I just want to say, we have the covenant, and it's an unsealed book. It's not a sealed book. It's the open book with great revelations. But yet without the blood, without the Holy Ghost, the, the contents of this book is not available to you. Ever claim a religious rituals of prayers, water baptisms, sermons, 
church attendance are all ineffective against the death angel. Come on, the, the, the death angel can come into any church. It can come into any house. Anything without the blood. Are you with me? Amen. And even here, if we are proclaiming the blood and applying the blood and you're without the blood, it can still come right in and get you because you are sitting here but out from under the blood. You must have the Holy Ghost yourself. It's not a collective Holy Ghost. It's an individual affair with Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've been baptized correctly in Jesus' name. Well, that's wonderful. But that's not the Holy Ghost. It's not the blood. Amen. The blood, the Holy Ghost must be applied to your life, to your house, belonging to church, whether it be Branham Tabernacle, Happy Valley, or Cloverdale Bible Way or Evening Light Tabernacle, or whatever you want to name it. Amen. It's not effective against, that church is not effective against the death angel. Only the Holy Ghost in his full baptism within the realm of the soul will keep the death angel away. Ancestral claims of being a Jew, of being a believer, coming from a long line of believers. My, my grandpa, my great grandpa, my mother, my dad, my husband, my wife. All right, that is of no effect without the token of the blood. Amen. Well, I'm a good person. I don't lie. I don't steal. That means nothing. Only the Holy Ghost. I believe all the word, Brother Tim. I believe the message of the hour. The devil believes the message. And he trembles about it. Amen. But without the blood, all you're believing is in vain. Come on now. Amen. Yeah, Billy Graham had plenty of hyssop. Amen. They were using faith and they were, they were striking the door without blood. Amen. They were applying their faith, believing it was going to work, but they, there was no blood. Are you with me? No Holy Ghost. So therefore it wouldn't keep them in the hour of temptation. We want something that'll keep us in an hour of temptation. We want something in our lives that'll give us overcoming power. Amen. Well, we're not defeated. We're not leaving out of here a defeated people. We're leaving out of here a victorious church. We're not a spot. We're not a wrinkle. Who knows their God? And the people who know their God, they will do exploits. Hallelujah. It's an exploit to overcome in this age. The, the Billy Graham easy believism of just a profession of faith of I believe the message is not effective against the death angel. Brother Branham himself would say in the token message. Now look, just to believe it is not enough. You gotta have his, that's one of the requirements. You gotta believe. But that alone is not enough. And it is not an atonement by faith. It's an atonement by blood. Amen. You know, there's a mistake people are making today. They want an atonement by faith. There's no atonement by faith. It's an atonement by blood. 
Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Amen. Now, just to believe it is not enough. To walk around where it is, where it's at is not enough. Just to associate, in other words, with other believers is not enough. Amen. He said, see, that's to make yourself worse. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. See, those borderline believers, Jesus spoke the same thing. And he says, apply it, church. Now, don't fail. Will you now? Don't, don't, don't let the sun set. Don't, 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 don't rest day nor night. Don't take no chance. It won't work, children. It won't work. You must have the token. I mean, come on. Moses was there in that day and he said, I'm telling you how to escape the coming of the death angel and how to go in an exodus, how to get ready to leave here. And we've had a prophet in this day visited with a pillar of fire, hear the voice of God, come with signs to prove that he was from God. I mean, what if Moses would have come and said, I, I met an angel and had no signs? Nobody would have known whether to believe him or not. I mean, what if Brother Branham would have come and said, uh, you know, I met an angel and he had no signs? No, would have, nobody would have known he was sent by God. Somebody with me? Amen. Now, so again, he said, but don't take no chance. It won't work, children. It won't work. You must have the token. You say, I believe Yes, I go. Yeah, I, I believe the message. He said, that's all right and that's good. But you must have the token. Do you hear Branham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. The life of God has got to be showing on your flesh, in your spirit, and from your soul. You must have the token displayed. Without it, all your believing is in vain. You see, without it, all your believing is vain. In vain, you'll live a good life. You'll listen to you listen to what the word says. You go to church. You try to live right. That's fine, but that's not it. When I see the blood, that's the token. Now, so confession. That Jesus, the Lamb, is worthy, won't keep the death angel away. All your religious slogans saying, I love Jesus. I believe the message. Well, I believe all the seals are opened. None of that will keep the death angel away. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ won't keep the death angel away. Although baptism is a required part of the Passover. In order for the death angel to pass over, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But having that alone is not enough. Amen. Certainly, you're not going in that exodus without repentance and water baptism. But that alone is not enough. In the token message again, we're living in the shadows. And the wrath is ready to strike. And God is requiring a token that you yourself have received his token, the Holy Ghost. It is the only way and the only sign that God will ever pass. 
because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ returned back to the believer. It's not a fantasy. It's not a good thought. Amen. It is a person. But reading your Bible, as good as that is, memorizing its passages, sleeping with a Bible under your pillow, playing a sermon as you go to sleep with the prophet's voice is not going to keep the death angel away. You must have the baptism of the Holy Ghost within the soul. Not just the baptism of the Holy Ghost on your spirit. The blood must strike the two side posts and the lintel. The blood from the lamb was to strike. Notice this. It's to strike. No, not lightly or just gently paint, but at the side and the post, but take it and strike. Strike the doorpost with the blood. You see, now it wouldn't be struck on the, on the threshold of the floor. The, the Jews were to pass through the blood and under the blood, but no one is to trample the blood. Amen. Nobody's to walk and tread on the blood. But you're to pass through the blood. And the blood, the Holy Spirit must be applied to every entrance of your house. To your body, to your spirit, and to your soul. Now, Brother Branham would tell us in modern events, made clear by prophecy, he said, there's many people just can't believe it. He said, even spirit-filled people. I'm going to give you one that'll choke you. The baptism of the Holy Ghost don't mean you're going in. Not at all. Not on that. Don't have anything to do with your soul. That's the baptism. Here's the inside soul in here. It has got to come from God. And then the outside, you have five senses and five inlets to contact your earthly home. The inside, you have a spirit. And then there you have five outlets, your conscience and love and so forth. Five outlets to that spirit. Remember in that spirit, in that human spirit, You can be baptized with the genuine Spirit of God and still be lost. It is the soul that was lived, that that lives and that was ordained of God. Well, you say, Brother Tim, then it really doesn't matter about the Holy Ghost. All I need is a predestinated seed. The predestinated seed cannot ever do anything until it's germinated by the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost must come upon the soul. Why? You can have it. Now, why is this? Because you can have the Holy Ghost on your flesh. And you can run the aisles. You might get him on the spirit and it just bring comfort and, 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 and soothe the, the conscience. But he's got to be in the soul. And I just want to say this. And once he's there, you can never be lost. I said you can never be lost. You might get him on your flesh and you run the aisle and not be saved. You might get him up on your spirit realm, on your, on your memory and imagination and conscience, affection and reason. You may have him there and, and still be lost, but you, when he comes down on the inside of the inside. And he can't do that without coming through the body and the spirit right into the soul. Are you with me? 
But once he comes in there, you can never be lost. You are sealed to the day of redemption. And the devil is sealed out. And the death angel can never enter in. Now this is not confusing. The Holy Ghost must come. And it's more than a profession of faith. And it's more than an emotional feeling. It must be the actual spirit, the person of Christ, to come and dwell in you. And it is an experience. It must be applied. Now, this can't be just partially done. Like I said, three gateways. Five inlets, see, taste, smell, feel, and hear. Five inlets to the, to the spirit, memory, imagination, conscience, affection, reasoning. Then the soul, the entrance through sub-wheel is either faith or doubt reigns there. Amen. Now, it's the night of the exodus. And the death angel is in the land. It's coming into homes, coming into churches. It's come right into assemblies. And the death angel is taken out. Long time professed believers. It's taken out. Death angel has come in and got deacons, song leaders, and even preachers. And I just want to say our experiment with psychology and easy believism hasn't worked. It's got to be something real. It isn't something you morph into. Are you with me? Amen. It is, it is something that happens to you. He comes into your life. He changes you. And His nature comes into your life. In the Old Testament, the nature and the innocence of the Lamb couldn't come upon the believer. But now in this glorious covenant, the very life and the very nature and the very attributes of Jesus Christ can come into your life. And when He comes in your life, He uses your body. He speaks through your lips. He looks through your eyes. He thinks through your thoughts. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is real. It's a person. It's not an imagination. It's not a sensation. It's the actual coming of the Spirit of Christ. And so the devil is a real devil. He's not an imagination. He's not just a spooky feeling. He's not just an idea. He's a spirit. You with me? Brother Branham Spoke himself of a desire. He said, I, I, I want to write a book on demonology. I think he could have wrote a book on it. If anybody could. He said, my contact with demons. He said, I'm gonna, I'd like to write a book on it. And he said, friends, they're just as real as you're real. And I see them many times when they leave right. I, I've seen them leave right from this platform here. I see them, some of them look, uh, are in the shape of bats. Look like long hair hanging on their legs. An epileptic demon will look like a tortoise with round legs hanging up like that. Usually a demon of oppression seems to be more in a cloud form. Amen. 
like a wave. And it just makes a real funny sound when, when you're in that other dimension to see the Spirit. Now, you may think that's wrong, but some of these days you'll realize. And he said, if you can only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, you doubt and you find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil and the chief of all devils is unbelief. And that's the only sin there is. There's no other sin but unbelief. All these immoral things, smoking, drinking, uh, gambling, and committing adultery, that's just attributes. You do that because you don't believe. Unbeliever is what makes you do that. If you was a believer, you wouldn't do it. That's right. Amen. So now we, now we've learned a little something. The devil can enter in just like the Holy Spirit can enter in. And he can enter in through the eye, through see, taste, smell, feel, and hear. Or he can enter in through memory, imagination, conscience, affection, and reason. That's why it's got to be covered with blood. Hallelujah. And so Psalms 101 verse 3 said, I will set no wicked thing before my eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Amen. Now, I'm going to share with you a little excerpt from a testimony of Mary Works Norman. Her husband was Gene Norman, was friends of Brother Branham. And there before she died, she wrote some of her experiences and I have a copy of her letter. But he said, but she was telling about how that, um, Sister Works was, or Sister Norman rather, was telling how on one occasion in 1962, they visited a church where they were showing them a movie of a Holocaust. And so we didn't realize how graphic it would be. And Mary, who was 10 years old at the time, was really bothered by it. And afterwards, she couldn't sleep at night. and said, I'd have to lay down with her. And she would say, if there is a God, how could he let all of this happen? I want you to see something. Here, this little girl, 10 years old, in a church, watching what they would maybe think a kosher film, suitable for a mixed audience, in 1962 about a true event of the Holocaust. And while looking on this, this girl, you know, this young girl, 10 years old, she couldn't sleep at night, and now she begins to have doubts. If I, if there is a God, how could he let all this happen? So later on that year, we went to the Grass Valley, and she tells about their summer and so on. And said after the Grass Valley meetings, said, um, I, you know, we had a chance to visit with Brother Branham. And I was telling him how the Holocaust film we had seen a few months earlier had bothered Mary. So Sarah and Mary and Joe and Becky were playing nearby. And he called to Mary and he talked to her for a little bit. And then he hugged her up to him and prayed for her and said, okay, now go ahead and play. And he turned to Jean and I and said, she's going to be all right now. 
When I prayed for her, something like a buffalo head lifted right off of her. And said, this made us careful or what we want to be careful of what our family was exposed to. Now remember, you know, again, Brother Branham seeing it in the spirit realm. He said, it looked like a buffalo. It's a spirit. And, it, and, it, and it's causing this girl doubts. Amen. Now, now, understand this as I, as I speak about it. You know, people can be possessed by the devil or they can be tormented by the devil. And there's a lot of difference between a possession and a tormentor. And let me just tell you, Satan, if you're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, Satan can tempt. He can bring his cloud of depression and his fog around you. But he cannot get a son or daughter of the living God. You can go through things in life. You can even take medicine or you can even go through menopause or there can be chemical imbalances and your brain can even get sick. Just like any organ in the body. And a devil want to try to come and attach itself to it. But if you're a child of God, he can never get your soul. I said he can never get your soul. You are redeemed. You are bought with a price. You are owned by God. And I'm just going to give notice to that tormenting fog. That devil. You got to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is a blood that will break your power and take your chains off the lives and set God's people free. When I consider, when I consider that I've had to confront demons who have entered into individuals through pornography and other wicked things set before their eyes and cast them out. What a danger today as so many are feeding on violence and video games filled with violence. And sex, sexual innuendos, movies with sex and violence. Are you with me? I mean, we were told years and years ago, the angel of God told Brother Branham not to have a television. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with Netflix? What are we doing with Apple TV? It's sapping our victory. It's bringing doubt. It's bringing fear. It's bringing unbelief into our home. What are we doing? We had a message to apply the blood. Keep him out. But we turn around and with an excuse, let him back in. Pentecostals did the same thing. Brother Branham would tell him, he said, it used to be a sin to go... To the movies or the bioscopes, he would call them. And he said, but the devil, the devil slipped one over on you and brought it right in your house. And we got homes today. No wonder we don't have spiritual churches anymore. 
No wonder the prayer, the prayer meetings are not the way they should be. And the atmosphere is not in the church like it should be. And healing isn't the way it should be. We're feeding on the wrong things. And then you wrestle with all of these demons. Like little Mary Wirtz or Mary Norman did. Wrestle with them. Is it true? Is it God? All of these things. If a spirit could enter a child watching a film and could cause such unbelief, then what about every wicked thing we're setting before our youth? Bringing insanity. No wonder there's insanity and killings in our schools. No wonder, no wonder there's these adulteries and broken marriages. Resulting in broken families. Amen. We parents and pastors, we need to cry out against these things. Things worse than television has been, has brought us into a new era that is making the insanity of the past look sane. Many of you will go back. I'm going to read a quote from 1957. And you think about all the 1957 and before films and movies and programs. We look at them now and we think, oh, that's harmless. That's harmless. And here our brother Branham was speaking about it then because he saw it was an invasion. He was identified in the infancy form. And now it's growing up. This is a quote from Second Coming of the Lord, 1957. When you go to your church, you may have the best pews in the city. You may have the highest steeple there is in the city. You may have the best pipe organ. You may dress the best. You may sing like a mockingbird. But all of that, if you're kissing and flirting with the world, that kiss on the cheeks of Christ is a Judaitarian kiss. He don't want nothing to do with you. He looks upon your wedding engagement ring and he finds the tablet moves. He finds love is gone. It's a form. He finds loyalty is gone. You've committed fornications with the world. You go to dances and boogie-woogie parties and watch all dirty television programs 1957 you are committing adultery on Christ is calling him your husband the bible said you're rich i'm rich and i'm i need of nothing he said but you don't know you're naked and miserable blind poor and don't know it it's time we lit a candle and swept the house The coming of the Lord is at hand. It's time we lit a candle and look for the leaven that we've let come back into the house. Are you with me? Sin and unbelief coming to the eye gate. Pornography. It's epidemic. Oh, not in my church, Brother Tim. Not in our young people. I'll tell you, you know, they all, they all are word-oriented people. You remember Naaman in the Bible? The leper, he had a secret, you know. You know, he was a general, he was a court official, but he had a secret. And only those at home knew it. 
Amen. Amen. He, he was a leper. Leper's a type of sin. Amen. Oh, when he goes outside and everybody sees him, well, you know, all of that's hidden. But when he pulls his shirt off at night, they know. Are you with me? It's the same thing. There's a many a sin that's being committed right among those who's claiming this message. And you can be a song leader, a songwriter, a preacher, and even tap into the anointing. And yet not be fully surrendered to God. And in secret, you're really a leper. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost must be applied. Haven't listened to every sermon. Haven't read every verse in the Bible. That's not the token. Making a profession of faith, you believe the message is not the token. Just Brother Brandon said, just being able to read. The token is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It must be the life of the blood. Let me just say something. We had a young man, and he had demons take him. He didn't go to my church. He showed up at youth camp. He was invited there by another church, and he's just recently had started attending. He was from college, and he came to the youth camp. But there as he passed through the prayer line, that demon began to manifest. But because the, 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 the ushers were ushering him off real quick, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't recognize it in time. And he was taken down to, to pray around the, the altar and, and literally drug off the platform. And down there, he began to have every kind of demonic manifestation. He began to talk, growl, speak, his face contort. He would testify later. That he was addicted so bad to pornography. It was so horrible. There it just predominated his life. It possessed him. We had had the prayer line. And I won't go into everything that happened. But we had just some very tremendous deliverances that took place. And there this boy, after I got through praying for 400 people. And I had prayed for the last one. I'm just catching my breath. And I'm standing, watching, looking around. And someone comes to me and says, there's another one. And I said, another what? Another demon manifestation right here. This boy. They've been working with him for over an hour. And they would take, they would take pictures of the pillar of fire. Pictures of the Hoffman head. They would take Bibles, try to lay it down on him, untrained men. But nevertheless, you know, they put the Bible on him. Nothing would deliver him. Putting a Bible on his chest wouldn't deliver him. Showing him a picture of the pillar of fire and Brother Branham wouldn't deliver him. Showing him a picture of a Hoffman's head of Christ would not deliver him. Using the name of Jesus as this just a magic word, it won't deliver you. It must be your life. 
Is somebody with me? Amen. And as I stood there and I surveyed that for a little bit and I watched what they were doing and I just, you know, caught my breath for a minute and a little bit they made a path for me to come down. And I walked down after all the screaming, hollering, putting Bibles on, yelling the name of Jesus and binding it and this and that and the other. It wouldn't come out. And I knelt down over him and I looked him right into the eye and I just began to speak. Peace. I say peace. I speak peace. Peace. It was so soft that you had to be you, the, only the people standing right over me could even hear what I was saying. Peace. When I spoke it, just speaking it, every time I would speak it, I'd see it go down. It would go down. It would go down. It would go down. It would get lower and lower. And all of a sudden, he says, I'm delivered. It's gone. I'm free. Hallelujah. All it takes is adopted sons and daughters of God who know their position to stand their grounds against the devil and just claim the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Brother Branham, after he preached the seven seals, have I got time for this? Brother Branham, after he preached the seven seals, he evaluated his own church. And he was studying his church. And he was troubled because although the seals was preached and the mysteries of God were revealed, there were still many of his congregation were not prepared for the rapture. That's just the plain facts. Notice this. And I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I understand the mysteries had to be revealed. In order for the rapture to take place. But hearing the seals preach did not make them rapture ready. The seals certainly opened up the scriptures and unveiled his truth. And it was necessary to be returned back to the original faith. But the knowledge of its mysteries are useless against the death angel. Only the blood, the literal life of Christ applied to your life. And a full baptism of the Holy Ghost is effective against the death angel. Your intellectual acknowledgement that the message is true is no more effective against the death angel than Billy Graham's intellectual acknowledgement of Christ as personal Savior. It won't work. There has to be a dying out to sin. There has to be a true repentance. And it's more than a dried-eyed confession. Amen. It's more than a, I'm sorry I got caught. Amen. It's where that you come in and godly sorrow worketh repentance. I've been wrong. I want to be changed. I am determined to be different. I want to make a full surrender of my life. Ted talks. What are Ted talks? Technology, entertainment, and design is these little intellectual, influential talks, but it ain't going to cut it. We need an altar. I said we need an altar. 
Say, Brother Tim, we don't need any altar. That's what they said in the first pull. Oh, yeah, in the first pull, when Brother Branham had the vision of the three pulls, someone had dismissed the service, and William Branham said, did you make an altar call? They said, no, but we took up the offering. You see what had happened in the divine healing, in the divine healing movement, that that money became more important than souls. And church programs and churches and our own program, it can never take the emphasis away from what we're really called to do. And that is to see men and women filled with the power of God. The success of a church is built on an altar. The last portion of the vision of the third pool was a large tent, some sort of cathedral. Brother Branham wasn't clear exactly what it was, a cathedral or a tent. He didn't know because I couldn't see it. He was not present but was above looking down. And from that dimension, he saw an altar call had been made. Amen. There, this time there's a call back to the original atonement. I want you to know it's not a new killing of a new lamb. Are you with me? It's a call back to the original atonement. And Malachi 4 does that by turning our hearts back to faith again. Back to the original atonement. Back to the blood. Back to the Holy Ghost. Back to the book of Acts. Back to Acts chapter 2. Where there comes a sound from heaven. Not a theology, but a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind, and it fills the house where they're sitting, and men and women are filled with the power of God. The pillar of fire dividing itself among them, and every person getting their portion. Hallelujah! In the third pool, Brother Bradham said, He'd taken me away again. And he stood me up in the air over a great auditorium or a big tent. And i never seen such a tent spread way out. And there it was. It looked like I had made an altar call. And hundreds of people, real softly and sweetly, were weeping, sitting by the altar, receiving the Lord Jesus. And I said, That looks better. In the first pull, he was disappointed because there was no emphasis on the altar. And it had moved away from emphasis on souls at the altar. But in the third pull, hallelujah, it's already been seen in the vision. It's a return back to the altar where men and women, boys and girls are coming sweetly, crying, weeping. And receiving the Lord Jesus. That's what the third pole is to produce. Not dry-eyed profession. Not a bunch of message theologian. But men and women filled with the Holy Ghost. Where the life of Christ is moving out of their body, their spirit, their souls. If we really preach the third pole... It brings people to the altar. Amen. 
Any ministry that ain't bringing the people to the altar. Is somebody with me? It's just formalism. More denominationalism. Hallelujah. Amen. Not as Graham did. Not an altar like Graham's altar, Billy Graham's. Chewing gum, insincere. But change men, change women, change lives. Sad to say, but the new birth that's being offered in most message churches is the same thing that's been offered in denominational churches. No mess. You know how some churches made it clear in the message. They made it clear some years ago. We don't want no snotting or crying around our altar. In fact, in some churches, the altar was removed completely. I know this is a fact. I've been in churches that, uh, that they took the altar out and put it in the basement. They didn't want nobody crying or snotting around their altar. Even today, the most is offered as a preacher to pray for them. They go back to their seats unchanged and just told to believe that they got it. Let me just read something from 1964. He said, you know the new way? I hope it never gets in our Pentecostal realms. <laughs> it's done went beyond the Pentecostals right into our realms. Though I see it leaking in, come in, shake hands. I take Jesus as my personal Savior. I like to see them get down at the altar and die, beat and squall and slobber. We used to have some horses, and when we fed them clover, that real pretty sweet clover, honey in it, it made them slobber. And when you get close enough to Canaan, you'll slobber a little bit too. You know you're eating that honey out of Canaan. Hallelujah. I like to see something, some real wine that's got some life in it. You say, Brother Tim, we got revelation. Then tell me, how come there ain't no stimulation with it? Amen. Real, real revelation provides but makes a stimulation. Oh, it's time that men and women get so drunk on the Holy Ghost. They forget who they are. They forget about the world. They forget about sin. And all they know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Nineteen sixty-five, just before he would leave the scene. This is what he says in modern events. He said, Our denominational systems and differences and things has put leaven in us. And uh, and this and that and world and fashion and oh it's got so much almost Hollywood everywhere. It'll finally come, it'll be like England, and an altar call will be ashamed. Amen. My brother, he said, as a brother said, how can you get fish in the boat? That's right. We've got to have the gospel preached in its fullness. With the power of God to vindicate that according to the promise of that age and prove that that's exactly God's will. Outside of that, you're just a church member. No matter how much you try, you try to do God a service. Mockery. Mockery. He said it'd get like it would come in England. The altar call will be ashamed. Mockery. And we've heard it mocked from message pulpits. 
He says in leadership as he sings just as I am. He says the old-fashioned altar calls. They're out of style today, but God still moves in them. Amen. Oh, yeah, I know there's plenty of other quotes that, that, that talked about a Methodist altar and, and being a tradition. And you can make traditions out of things. But I want to bring it back to balance again. The third pole has an altar. A place where men and women, boys and girls can find Jesus, where they can die out to sin. Where they can find, you know, that real release from the burden of sin and be filled with the Spirit of God. I say, what's wrong with that? Invisible union of the bride. This is also a month before he takes the scene, off the scene. 1125, 1965, and 1224. This is not even a full month. A true picture of the modern church today. Neither does the modern church want any of these screaming, shouting, tongue speaking. Acts 2.38 youngins around her. Yeah, yeah, she don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Why a child would, such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one of that like that in one of the churches. Why they would throw her out right quick. Let me read you another 64 quote. And God's provided a way. They've never in all the way tried to find anything but that's better than God's way of doing it. You know, they never found a way better for a chicken to get born in this world than to peck itself out of his shell. I know from experience as a little farm boy trying to help chickies out and I killed them. That little chickie's got to peck his own way out. Said they never found a better way. He said the little fellow's born with a little snoot on the end of his bill. And that little bill he's got to go to work, to go to scratching. And he scratches back and forth till he gets his head started. He gets his head out and he picks his way free. It's God's provided way. You pull him out of the shell and it'll kill him. He won't live if you pull him out of the shell. He's got to come God's way. Amen. You know that we want to help them out. We want to just reform them a little bit and send them back to their seat and say you're ready for the rapture. What they need to do is pick their way out. Pick a hole in it. God, I'm desperate to get out of this. God, I gotta have you. I gotta have you more than anything in the world. And you begin to pack and to pack and to pack and to pack until you're free. You pick away that sin. You pick away that unbelief. You pick right through the shell until you break out into the glorious liberty of Jesus Christ. Never to go back in the shell again. That's what's the matter with Christians today. We so soft-subbed them. We shook their hands. We brought them in by secret. We joined them in the church. What they need, 1964, they need is an old-fashioned prayer altar where they pray through. Use until using themselves come in God's provided way till they free themselves from the thing of the world. Amen. The trouble of it today, they put their name on the book and join church, and that's all there is to it.
But God's provided way is to stay there and work your way through until God gives you the new birth. That's right. Pick him out and kill him. And that's what's the matter today with the people. A new birth, they'll all dodge it. They don't like it. Always substituted something for the new birth. Come up and believe. That's all you have to do. The devil believes himself and you know he's not born again. There's a new birth. There's something that goes with it. And it's kind of unfitting and untasty to the world. I say it's unfitting and untasty to many so-called message churches around the world today. Any birth is a mess. I don't care where it's at. If it's in a pig pen or a hospital, a birth is a mess. So is the new birth. It'll make you do things you didn't think you would do. It'll make you get down to an altar and cry and scream and wash the pain off your face and raise your hands and praise God. Speak in tongues and all kinds of things. The new birth will do that because it's God's provided way to be born again. you got to die. That's what an altar's for. For you to come down and die. Amen. Well, you die to your own ideas. You die to your sins. You die to your unbelief. You die to your pride. And you get up a new creation in Christ and you think different and talk different and act different because you got the mind of Christ. God recommends this for his children. God recommends for this for his believing children. Not intellectual speeches. Not some great theology, theology to teach. He wants you to cry for your needs. And that's right. Cry out for it. You're too stiff and starchy. You'll never get it. Hello, somebody. If you're too stiff and starchy, you'll never get it. If you're ready to limber yourself up a little and cry, God will give it to you. He likes to hear his children cry. Cry your needs to God. God wants it. It's his provided way. Cry out for it. That's the way a baby cries. That's the way he wants you to cry. Cry how long? How long does a baby cry until he gets satisfied? And that's the way the believing Christian should do. God's child, if you see God made a promise, don't you give up on it. You cry until it's answered. Amen. You cry until you see God vindicates His Word. And when God vindicates His Word and proves it's here, then you don't have to cry no more. you got to walk away and thank Him for it. Until you do that, scream out till you get it. Amen. Not a hybrid plant that has to be babied and petted and packed around. Christians are real genuine. (coughs) I don't know if you got time for everything I got to say. Just before he preaches the sermon on the token, that the Holy Ghost is a requirement for the rapture. He's recognizing that so many of his followers are without it. And this realization is what makes him, what prompts him to preach it. He's disturbed by this realization. He goes in the woods to hunt. Can't even hunt for thinking and praying about the problem. So I didn't even kill a squirrel. He was bothered. Now listen, 
Brother Branham's bothered about the spiritual condition of his congregation. Even after the supernatural revelations, where night after night the angels came bringing the voice of the thunders, that the people who, all they, they, though they had intellectually understood the seals, they were still missing the token. The literal life of Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Now, so you see, again, he, he began to, to, to look at, at, at his church and, and first, his sermon is a question. How can I overcome? And his next sermon is the answer. What is the answer? The token. You want to know, how can I get over this pornography? How can I get over this habit of the world? How can I get over this lukewarmness in my life? How can I rise above this problem? How can I overcome the token? It's the only way to defeat the death angels, the token, the Holy Ghost. Theology won't do it. Intellectual teaching won't do it. Are you with me? Amen. Brother Branham, he was said in that message, how can I overcome? We're here under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, ghost is among us. We're here to take reckoning among ourselves. To see where our short places are, our shortcomings, and how we can catch from where we should be over to where we ought to be here now. Where we are and where we ought to be. How many would say, this is what I need God to do for me? Take me from where I am to where I ought to be. And he said, and that's what we study. Ministers study those places for their people. And when they see the people, the lack, they begin on that. Now, as early as 1954, Brother Branham was seeing the death angel coming. I would say even before that. But nevertheless, he saw his church and the whole country invaded by demons. He preached a prophetical sermon on the invasion of the USA. I thought when I would read that, I would learn about bombs and, and, and Russia and or China or this or that. And it was demons. He said, demons are invading America. You can look at her. She's turned from freedom of religion to freedom from religion. She's... She's turned from protecting the unborn to killing the unborn. He's given freedom to kill. She's a beast. I said she's a beast. She turns from a lamb to, to speak as a dragon. A devil. That's what we're seeing. And, you know, it's devil spirits in our politics. You can't open up the news without... Jealous spirit fighting against this one and that one and the other. But Brother Branham saw his own church. And he preached a sermon. A deceived church by the world. And you think sometimes that just once more Lord was a call to denomination. It wasn't. It started in his own church. This is where he first preached the sermon. He started it right there in Branham Tabernacle. 
a deceived church by the world. Just as Moses saw the death angel coming, so Brother Branham could see the death angel uh, approaching. He could see people in his own church who were under a covenant with God just as Samson was. And yet they were laying their heads in the lap of Delilah. And the locks of the covenant with God were being slyly cut off. I wonder how many believers are laying their heads in the lap of Delilah. My, you ought to go listen to that sermon. I have quotes from it here. But I'll tell you, I'm running out of time. But let me just say, again, Brother Branham would tell in that sermon, he said, what we need is a birth. And then he reminded us, he said, you know, you know, the church, the, you know, there, there was Samson. There was Samson blinded. Samson betrayed Samson in chains. But then he likened, there's a new crop of hair that is coming on. And I want you to know you are that new crop. You're not of the old crop. And there's strength coming back into the church that will defeat the devil. And slain more here in this last age than there was ever slain. Of people that are conquerors. Of people that are mighty conquerors. I just want an ecclesiastical, theological way. You know, I don't care nothing about this altar way. What you, Brother Brandon said in leadership. Where he said, he said, you can learn the message we are trying to teach, but that still won't give you eternal life. You've got to accept the person, Jesus Christ. He would tell us in Christ the mystery, the reason all the divisions that are among us, he says, because the people, the teachers, they missed that life. Are you with me? Amen. So you see, you know, again, again, we're, we're like every other move. Fallen angels get in among us. And we've seen them fall. Those, uh, those angels who, who once, you know, that they kept not their first estate. Deacons, song leaders, preachers. Are you with me? Church members, stalwart for years and years and years. Dying. The mamba that I preached about ten years ago was on your trail then. It's on your trail now. But there is a blood that will stop him in his tracks. That will bind the power of that serpent. Are you with me? Amen. Oh, yeah, it's not knowledge that we need. Knowledge puffeth up. That's leaven. Leaven puffs it up. Makes it pleasant to eat. That's what we've been trying to do so many times in all of these movements is to make the message a little more pleasant and platable and easy to swallow. People flock by the thousands to that. It's unleavened bread. We don't need to fix what the prophet said. We don't need to interpret what he said. We don't need to read between the lines of what he said.
Brother Branham told us in the church age book, he said they'll add to and they'll take away there and soon the power is gone. He said of the message, the token message, he preaches a sermon. After the token message, he preaches a sermon, Desperations. And he refers back to his morning sermon. And I'm going to close on these points. He refers to the token message as the capping off time. This morning, I'm quoting from Desperation. He's referring now to the token sermon where he tells us what the message is. He says the evening time message. Yes, amen. Are you with me? The evening time message is to apply the token. Very simple term. This is what the evening time message is. Apply the token. Get the life of Christ. We've accumulated knowledge. We've taken understanding. But we need Christ. I'm going to try to be nice. You pray for me. The message this morning was to to me the highlights message of my entire ministry. This morning, see, a highlight message of my entire ministry. Now, I'm just wondering if we're putting enough importance on this subject. The highlight message of my entire ministry. I know everything has worked for months and months and months up to that one message. Moving to come up to that place. That was the capping off time of it. Because I believe with all, with all the messages I ever brought, that was absolutely ordained of God. Of course, the regular commission like the seven seals and things, it was directly the word of God. I'm talking about a message to preach. I believe that was, that one was it. See, the one that's needed to follow those seven seals. Now watch what's come after the seven seals, uniting of the people, united times, the, the red light flashing of the last days, sign of women getting prettier, man, what they would do, all these signs of the Holy Spirit leading up, then come right back here to the capping off of all those messages since the seven seals is capped off in this one thing, the token. That we are all right. See, just check ourselves and see that we're in the faith. The one that's needed to follow those seven seals. The token, the sign that the Holy Ghost The life of Christ has been applied to our lives is what is needed to be preached. And I just want to say after nearly 40 years of preaching on the seals, the mighty angel, the open book of discovering where we got off through the ages, I say it's past time to come back to a book of Acts church. I say it's past time, amen, for the message to follow the preaching of the seals to come back 
to the preeminent place of capping it all off. That the token, the Holy Ghost, gets applied in the lives or hearts of men and women. We need power over sin. We need divine healing. We need miracles. We need old men to dream dreams and young men to see visions. We need a supernatural God. Bear with me just for a moment. Some are extolling their great revelations on the seventh seal. That the bride is him. That she's his body. That Christ is here in bride form. That she is the mystery of Christ revealed. And I just want to say, I'm finally, they're finally getting it. I'm glad they're finally getting it. But you're nearly 40 years behind. We got that some years ago. And it's been hashed and rehashed. And I'm glad you're excited about it. And I, and I want to just say, I'm still excited about it. It still excites me to know that we are the mystery of Christ revealed. That the bride is Him. That Christ and the bride are one. Come on, somebody. That we are His body. Amen. That Christ is here in bride form. Amen. That excites me. It excites me that seven angels came. And heaven opened. And seven thunders uttered their voices. Are you with me? It excites me to know about the Antichrist and his work through the ages. And he's been exposed. It excites me to know we're in the time of the breaking of the silence. And the mysteries have been revealed. And I'm excited that a mighty angel came down and broke the silence. And all the mysteries have been revealed that's concerning the bride of Christ. But I am as disturbed as the prophet was that even after the supernatural revelation where night after night the angel came bringing the voice of the thunders that people who intellectually understood the seals are still missing the literal life of Christ, the token. And because of the lack of this revelation of Christ personally to you is the reason for all the divisions around the world. That's why the tangents... That's why some won't believe in the literal and physical return of the Lord. That's why some are spewing out this nonsense that you can read between the lines. That's why some wants to think you can remit sin by subscribing to a certain doctrine. You can only remit sin as it did on the day of Pentecost. Amen. This is how we remit sins. Not by you understanding and receiving my doctrine. But repent every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, unto you, unto you, unto you. And no matter how far off you've been, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and He's still calling tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! You want to know what true believers do? In my name they shall cast out devils. True believers cast out devils. Preachers, when they preach the word, they cast Satan out. And when Satan is cast out, the person can be filled with the Spirit. 
The main work of the church is not educating the ignorant. But the most principal work is to cast the devil out. Getting people saved is delivering them from the devil and the works of the devil. Getting people healed is delivering them from the devil and the works of the devil from that tormentor. And we're ordained to cast Satan out. In my name, in my stead, in my place, by my authority, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Whatever they bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth, I'll loose it in heaven. I'll back them up. God's calling adopted sons and daughters who know their position, who have the adoption robe of the Holy Ghost wrapped around them, and they know their place and their position. Hallelujah. He's not taking a bunch of weaklings in a rapture. He's taking an invincible army in a rapture. Of people who know their God and do exploits. If our preaching is not casting out devils and bringing people to an altar, repentance with the blood can be applied. We're just passing along intellectual knowledge and understanding. And that's why miracles don't happen. Because you've got to become a miracle to see a miracle. This sermon needed to follow the seals as a sermon declaring the token is the literal life of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm looking for, my own life on display. Not pornography, not movies, not Hollywood, not the pain of a Jesse Bell. I want to see on my children, my life. That's who I'm coming back for. It's those who are demonstrating my life. My life has to be on display. It's a sermon needed to follow the seals. Declaring that choking is a literal life. The Holy Ghost is a prerequisite for the rapture. And that message, the token, Brother Brandon said after praying all those times, he said that God ordered the prophet, said, lay it in their laps. Amen. Amen. A message on the requirement of the Holy Ghost showing that you must be under the atonement of the blood. The Holy Ghost is something more than believing the message. This is a step higher. Amen. Listen, he's looking at his church. He's finding signs. That are there, signs of Christian people failing to live a life worthy of the gospel. So he comes back and he preaches. Is your life worthy of the gospel? You've been called to a feast, but is your life worthy to come to this feast? The seals had been preached. The thunders had roared out their voices. The silence had been broken. The mysteries revealed. And he's asked this question. Is your life worthy? Of the gospel. You've been invited to a married feast. But those who were invited are not worthy. He preaches another sermon. After the seals. Asking the question. He cares. And then asking the question following it. Do you care? He cares. He come all the way from glory. 
He's the Lamb provided. He cares. Do you care? He's asking the question, is there care among God's people? Do they really care? If they really care, then they need a clean confession. So they're coming through the prayer line. They're not keeping their healing. They're not keeping their salvation because they're not making a real confession. They're not really sincere. How can I overcome? Seeing condition of his church, not denomination, but Bradham Tabernacle, the followers of his message. And when I hear the cries of pastors, and I hear from all over the world, I don't know, one day at a time I got here. I don't know how it happened, other than one day at a time. I'm here. Now I'm not the boy preacher in the message no more. I'm not the kid on new kid on the block. I'm not the boy in 1970 where they told me God ain't calling nobody else anymore. I'm not the boy that they pointed and said there's too many chiefs now and not enough Indians. You ain't called to preach. I'm not the boy preacher no more. Now people, ministers call me from around the world. What do we do, Brother Tim? What do we do? We got problems. People are leaving the message. They're going back to the world. My deacon, my trustee, my song leader, people who seemed solid in the faith for years, look like pillars in the church, now rejecting the truth. And they walk out and they're living sordid, sinful conditions. The death angel packed them out. And they didn't leave here for something better. And they tell you to leave. But they have nothing to point you to. And they should come go with us. And they have nowhere but wandering to go out into. And they go back. To their gods. And they go back to their trinity. And they go back to their false baptism. And they go back to denominational teaching. And some of them even go back. So far back. Till the Bible ain't right. Until there's no God. And Because once you start disbelieving. It's a bottomless pit. They'll get you first to disbelieve the prophet, then disbelieve his message, then believe the one who sent the message, and then the one who sent Jesus Christ. First thing you know, you're out there in a bottomless pit. Morals, bottomless pit. No foundation. Nothing. Tumbling over. Can't catch herself. Can't stop. I see them in prayer lines. People confessing lust. Porn addiction. Grown men, women, girls. 
got porn addiction, lust, depression, fear, anxiety, suicide, torn apart families, wrecked homes. Adulteries are exposed as fornications is discovered among the youth and porn and game addiction has led to devil possession and sin of every kind coming into the church. I hear the howling that is going on in the cries of the dying. But I want to tell you tonight, there is a token. There is a blood. And that blood, that devil, that devil, that death angel cannot cross the bloodline. He's knocked at my door. He's hit me in every way you can imagine. I've been criticized on every side, but he can't get in. He's sealed out. And I'm stronger today than I was when I started 50 years ago. And I'm more determined to make it in. And I'm not getting lukewarm and indifferent. I'm more on fire. I say, let's go. Let's put everything we got into it. Let's surrender our all. This is what living for. We're going in an exodus. The trumpet is about to sound. And the dead in Christ will rise. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Is there a people that believes that? Amen. Let's apply that token. Let's get under that blood. Let's surrender our lives. Let's give him our everything. Let's surrender our all. I want it not just some part of my life. I want him on my body, my spirit, my soul. tonight. Let the Holy Spirit sweep through this building. I believe we're right, Lord. I believe there's a many a sanctified life that is ready to receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, tonight, let your spirit move now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. We're now in one mind. We're getting in one accord. Amen. We can expect him to move. Satan, you are defeated. Satan, take your hands off of God's people. You doubter, you unbelief, you spirit that has held God's people. I'm declaring freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. I say, Satan, let my people go. With authority I speak it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I tell you, if I were you right now, I'd shake those chains. Those chains are broken. Shake those chains. Shake them off your life. Shake them off your conscience. Shake them off of your mind. Shake them. Turn them loose. I can hear those chains falling. Somebody's breaking through to the Holy Ghost. 
for the promises unto you and to your children to the camp right now in 2019 as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And when they had thus prayed, the place was shaken. Amen. Oh, shake us, oh God. Shake all the unbelief away. Oh, may the dry bones hear the word of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We glorify your name right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd start believing right now with all my heart. I'd receive it right now in the name of Jesus. If I was sick, I would take my healing. If I had lost children, I'd claim my lost children. Amen. I'd say that we're about ready to have a celebration. Amen. 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 The prodigals are turning home. Amen. The promise has been given. We're right here at the end time. And there is a blood. Hallelujah. There is a blood. It'll cleanse every stain. It'll make us whiter than the snow. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. If I were you tonight and I needed the Holy Ghost, I'd go to pecking. I'd go to knocking. I would knock and I'd say, God, you promise it. You promise it to me, Lord. Amen. I'm going to die to sin. I'm going to die to unbelief. I'm going to die to this darkness. I'm going to receive the life of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.